Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. And on today's show, we're doing a little pivot from what we originally planned. I know in the episode earlier this week, we said we would kind of get into the offense and defensive depth chart um, on today's show and then one in the next show. Um, but tomorrow or today, when you guys are listening to this, um, Joe Rudolph and Jim Leonard will be speaking to the media uh, Matt and I will definitely both listen in on that. So uh, sense in talking about the depth chart without uh, hearing from both the coordinators first to kind of give us an idea and uh, just, you know, hear from them. Uh, Coach Paul talked about it a little bit yesterday, but it's good to hear it from uh, both coordinators as well. We're going to save that talk for next week's day. We are going to do a mailbag. We'll recap uh, Coach Chris Presser and uh, Nikia Watson, Gary Groshek talk to the media today as well, so we'll talk about that a little bit, and then we'll answer some questions. Uh, we put out a mailbag. we got a good amount of questions and some fun ones, so a nice, easy, lighthearted uh, show to send you into the weekend right, uh, and then we'll be back next week um, with some of that depth chart breakdown, uh, talk about Jim Leonard and Joe Rudolph's comments, so uh, the schedule kind of works out nicely in that regard. Matt, how you doing today? Doing great. Uh I'm I'm ready to see that that butt whooping that uh, Nikia Watson has been <laughs> come out and said that they're hoping to to give to Illinois in the opener because I, I thought that was a that was a that was something to say so I thought that was uh, something exciting to to hear and kind of got the juices flowing for for a kickoff in you know just under a month here how are you doing dude I'm good yeah that that comment really I think getting the juices flowing was a perfect way to say that because just reading that and, and thinking about seeing these guys on the field and, and taking out uh, Illinois to, to start a season would be uh, just a great way to get the Big Ten season going. It feels like, you know, these last few months have, with COVID, have, of course, you know, either for some people have crawled by, for some people it's been warp speed that you can't believe it's October already. Uh, but at least for me, with the Big Ten, you know, announcing to come back and, and getting to October 24th uh, time seems to have just completely uh, started to slow down and stand still, and it's like, oh, can we just get to the 24th and, and see these Badgers and, and the Big Ten back on the field? Cause it's going to be such a nice sight. So uh, hearing that, and, and I, I talked about it a little bit in my recap of, of Paul Chris uh, Presser yesterday, just hearing him talk about football and not having to talk about COVID or testing or anything like that, is just really excited, and I, I can't wait to get to that uh, opening kickoff. Yeah, for sure. And then you had Garrett Groshek uh, joking about if he could touch the computer or not, just because of sanitary <laughs> sanitary reasons. It's uh, it was it was good to to see some lightheartedness um, in the world of of sports going on right now after the Brewers uh, came up short last night, and hopefully they can uh, battle back and, and make it a series. Yeah, let's hope so. That'll be interesting to see uh, this evening. But that kind of transitions us nicely, and rather than do news of the day, we're just going to hop right into recapping um, both of those pressers from Coach Chris and uh, Garrett Groshek and Nikia Watts. And we'll start with Coach Chris. Uh, in like I said in that conversation, he hit on a lot of football talk, which was uh, nice to see, nice to hear. Didn't have to talk about testing or COVID or 
uh, social distancing, any of that. I really don't think there was anything um, related to that at all. It was it was all pretty much you know position groups. They hit on a lot of important ones. Uh, he talked about the running back groups, both uh, inside and outside linebacker. Talked a little bit about Jack Cohn uh, at the quarterback position. So a lot of interesting stuff came from his comments yesterday. But anything that really stood out to you um, from what he had to say yesterday? Yeah, I think there was really interesting things that he had to say about each of those things. I think for quarterback, it's pretty pretty short and sweet. It, it's it's Jack Cohn. <laughs> it's, it's definitely uh, him as QB1 going through it. And I know you and I have both kind of postulated that it's probably the way it was going to be, but it's you could hear in his tone, you could hear in the players' um, tones uh, today that really – Jack Cohn is their leader, and he's going to be the guy trotting out there against Illinois to start the season. But but I thought just kind of some of those battles behind the the kind of guys that you thought would be the starters at running back, inside and outside linebacker were were really what jumped out to me. Um, I, I think you know running back, you're looking at Nikia Watson, Garrett Groshek, but then they talked about Isaac Grendo and, and that he was going to be uh, definitely one of their primary running backs too, and that it'd be they would quote unquote lean on those three, um, and so I think that's that's definitely reassuring. Um, they talked a little bit about um, both Isaac Rendo and some of the younger backs and what they've seen from them as well. So we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to Watson and Groshek. But but really, I, I thought the the most telling was the linebackers. Just this last episode, we talked a little bit about C.J. Getz, and he's a guy who got some talk in by Paul Christ as a guy who who's going to factor into the mix and. You know, it has bounced around in positions, but they think they found the right spot for him. And I think you look at him and Spencer Lytle and Nick Herbig as big reasons why a guy like Jalen Franklin could move positions. And, and I think they must really like what they have at, for depth at that position. Um, he brought up Caden Johnson's been battling some, some injuries, hasn't been in. Uh, same with Muma John Meta, but that's, they've got some young guys who are who are playing really well and getting used to stuff, but that they feel good about the core groups they have there. And I thought that that really jumped out to me, um, and that was kind of the crux of what I heard from him. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. There was uh, I, I was glad that uh, they touched on the outside linebacker position, especially. Uh, I think that's one, you know, with Noah Burks. Um, and, and probably, you know, from the sounds of it, it sounds like Isaiah Green may uh, once again. But, of, of course, that can change with the other guys that uh, Coach Chris kind of mentioned. Um, you know, it, it, it was by no means a, a shoe-in that Green May was going to be the starter. I mean, you look at it last year, a guy that's coming into fall camp looked to be uh, in line to start at one of those outside linebacker positions, uh, you know, opposite Zach Vaughn, looking for kind of a lengthy pass rusher. And, and Green May fit that description but never really – uh, cracked onto the field too much, and you know they hinted at him really needing to uh, take that next step. Uh, I know we've talked about his uh, him putting on some weight, which should help at that outside linebacker position. But uh, I think that is, you know, in, in terms of questions for this team, uh, you, you like what you have at the inside linebacker position, which they talked about uh, a little bit. Uh, you know, with Sanborn and, and likely Chanel, uh, guys that one's very experienced and one, while is still pretty younger. Uh, has played a lot of football in Chanel uh, for, for someone so young. Um, so you like what you have there, but I think outside linebacker, if there's a question mark for this team right now and in terms of the the defense, it's probably there. And I wouldn't say it's a glaring spot, but it's a spot that's going to have to be uh, filled with someone who hasn't had a, a lot of play on the field and, and hasn't made as big of an impact as, you know, last year you had Zach Vaughn. You had one of the two spots locked down. 
Um, and, and then Noah Burks developed nicely, and some other guys worked their way in there. So I, I was definitely, you know, when the outside linebacker talk started, that's where my ears kind of perked up as well because I think that's the, the, the glaring spot and, and certainly not as big an issue as some teams across the country have, but one that the Badgers will want to shore up uh, early on in the season. Yeah, and, and I, I know that um, Chris talked about Noah Burks not trying to reinvent himself and just mm-hmm. being who he is and who's a very consistent player. And, and you look at his statistics, and I know I've said this before, but they mirror pretty closely what Zach Bond was as a junior that obviously Zach Bond took a huge leap as a senior. I don't necessarily see that Burks is going to have the same um, general trend, but I definitely would expect him to have a larger impact and to be um, one of the leaders on that defense. So I think it should it should be expected that he's going to take a nice leap. And I think um, the talk of Jordan Turner and Malik Reed fighting for that you know fourth spot in the two deep should should be fun because both those players it'd be great if one of them could play right away and the other one can redshirt just for scholarship numbers evening things out. I think that would be nice. Um, but then the other thing that um, you know Chris has talked a lot here about John Dietzen being back, and I don't think that that's you know something that should just be swept under the rug given the fact that Dietzen, according to, you know, the B-roll that we've been getting and, and watching those that film, it looks like he's running with the ones quite a bit. So it, it could be that, hey, the Badgers really bolstered that, that in, interior of their offensive line by returning him, in, in a, especially if he's healthy. If he's not healthy, uh, I, I don't think he would be running with the ones and doing that. But it seems like you, if you could get something out of him as at your left guard position, that goal could go a long way in helping because he is he is very good as a run run blocker, um, especially just with his size and frame and and strength. He is one of the stronger guys on the team, um, regardless if he's taken a year off from football or not. Yeah, plenty of depth uh, from him. That would be a nice added wrinkle to that offensive line when you talk about some guys that are already. Uh, working their way back from injury, uh, where if you've got to shuffle some things around, you know, John Dietzen provides a, a layer of depth that nobody really expected to have. Um, it sounds like he's progressing well, so it'll be interesting to, to keep an eye on as we move forward here. Uh, the other presser was Nikia Watson and Garrett Groshek. Uh, they spoke to the media today. I have not had a chance to listen to it too much. I saw some of the comments um, on Twitter, but I know you had a chance uh, to read it. So what did you uh, take away from those two uh, and their conversation? Yeah, I think it's reassuring that they, they're going into it knowing that, um, you know, both those two with Garendo aren't trying to be world beaters. They know that they're not going to be Jonathan Taylor. Um, I, I thought it was very interesting that Paul Chris brought up and compared Nakia Watson to Taiwan Deal. I, I think that, that makes a lot of sense, but that also kind of limits things a little bit. Taiwan Deal was a solid running back, but I don't necessarily think of Taiwan Deal as your number one. And I don't, and I don't think, based off of that kind of a comment, I don't know if Chris thinks he's your number one guy, and and so that was that was something that was interesting to me. Um, I, I think they do have some shoes to fill. They brought, they both mentioned that, but that it's going to take a committee approach. I think Groshek is going to have a good year. I expect him to see a lot more of the field um, beyond uh, third down and, and in passing situations. But but I'm I am really fascinated to see Isaac Rendo. Um, Groshek specifically talked about him and the speed that he brings to to the game. Just uh, he just pops. He's got he's got the same speed as Jonathan Taylor. Um, you know, I know Taylor had said that he's probably the only guy on this team that can outrun him, and you know that obviously jumps out right away. But but 
you know, Groshek went on to say that he appeared more comfortable with the position in the playbook, which should help him make an impact because those were the things outside of that hamstring injury that really set him back and held him back from, um, you know, getting cracking the rotation. I mean, obviously outside of Jonathan Taylor just being a stud, but I think those were things that jumped out to me. And then the other one was, was Jalen Berger, that conversation Nikia Watson talked a little bit about him and and what he could bring, talking about just how dynamic, athletic, and fast he is. And you know he's got good size at at six foot two ten as as a true freshman, saying hey he's very fast, very athletic, um, and that he's been working at kick return and that he he looks the part and that he'll be a a big asset to the team. I think that's those are the type of comments that don't just come out of nowhere. Um, that is, that's something that to where um, he's noticing that, hey, this, this kid's really talented and can bring something different. So I think that's the idea of Berger being your kickoff return guy, getting his feet wet at that role, and then also potentially playing some running back, um, maybe even some slot, doing some different things, given his uh, skill set. I think that's really enticing and probably the thing that jumped out to me most from the entire presser with, with those two. Yeah, the nice thing about Jalen Berger is with with this year's eligibility rule, you can kind of throw uh, any of these guys in there and not have to worry about numbers. You know, you look at last year, Graham Mertz uh, only got worked into a certain number of games, and they were cautious of it because they wanted to preserve that red shirt. You don't have to worry about that this year with that running back group. So if Jalen Berger is ready to be out there and, and ready to play, uh, they don't have to – uh, worrying about working him into certain games and, and worrying about essentially, you know, a, a quote-unquote pitch count of, of what games he can get into. Um, so this year, especially more so than most, you're, you're going to – the best guys are going to play, and that's not saying that Jalen Berger is, is ready and, and better than those other guys. Uh, it's not saying that at all, but it's able to work him in and maybe find a, a package for him that uh, maybe you wouldn't have expected to see if that redshirt rule is in place because you, you've got three guys that you can rely on. Um, and and you, you know, maybe in a normal year you don't want to you know burn that redshirt uh, on Berger if you've got other people that you can go with. But this year you've got the opportunity to, to play anyone and not worry about that. So that should open up things uh, for that running back room even more uh, than, it, than it already is with the three you know, backs that they plan on leaning on. Yeah, and I, I would I would expect that Berger will get some run this year. Julius Davis maybe two, um, but I think really this it sets up really comparably to when Jonathan Taylor broke up on mm-hmm. broke into the scene because you've got a couple guys returning who who are solid. They you know I think Groshek is a little bit above solid. Um, he's he's higher than what we saw out of uh, Bradrick Shaw or. Um, Chris James back when that that race was going on, but I but I that doesn't change the fact that they don't have a complete guy. They don't have the guy that they that they're going to turn to. And Wisconsin has done really well with the committee approach in the past. We've seen just some really just stellar offenses. When you think back to um, Monte Ball, James White, Melvin Gordon, all running together. That I mean that was fun as hell. But it doesn't change the fact that oftentimes if, you, if you've if you got a guy and one guy separates, that it, it turns into their show. And so you look at it and you wonder, is a guy like Isaac Garendo, if it clicks, could it be him? Or is it a guy like Jalen Berger that it could possibly, um, you know, fly off the depth chart? So that's, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing this season because I do think it'll flesh itself out. But I do think that it, it's, it's up in the air and there's definitely room for team players to – um, you know, upward mobility in the in the depth chart for players, I should say. 
Yeah, lots of carries to go around for that running back room, so it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out and, and who ends up kind of being the, the main bell cow uh, early in the season versus later on as we uh, get into things. So, All right, well, that wraps up the uh, press conference stuff. We'll go ahead and we'll get our ad reads out of the way now, and then we'll get into our mailbag conversation. All right, so we put out a post on Bucky'sFifthQuarter.com. This is, I believe, the third time we've done a mailbag uh, answering your questions in regards to uh, the football team. We actually have one basketball question to talk about as well, a little bit of recruiting. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of good questions. Thank you guys for providing those. It, it makes our life easier when you've got questions, so feel free to fire them off at any time, and we'll, you know, if we've got room in the show. Uh, to hit on some, we certainly will, but uh, we felt like it was a good time to get that with kind of a open show with the, the with the change in schedule and then uh, just, you know, football getting started up. We figured there would be some questions uh, on that regard, so uh, a good start to uh, the season and a lot of fun questions to answer here. So we'll get started with kind of a fun one from Action, Bronson Koenig. Uh, Rashad Bateman is back for Minnesota. So he asked, will Minnesota lose to Wisconsin by more or less than the 21 points they lost by last year? Um, good question. I think uh, if you're looking at it um, with the way it shakes out for Wisconsin and Minnesota, two, I won't, I won't even say evenly matched teams right now. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be biased, but I, I don't see them as evenly matched at this point in the season. Um, but I'd still probably think the Gophers are hoping to keep it within uh, less than 21. I think if you were a betting person as I am and, and you gave me 21 with Minnesota, I'd probably have to take it. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see both of these teams back on the field and, and what Bateman brings back that they didn't plan on having originally. Yeah, for sure. And, and let's not forget that they do bring back one of the better quarterbacks in the Big Ten as well in Tanner Morgan. They, they've got, they got stuff. They've got a lot of defenders that they're replacing. Um, they're, they're, who knows what their offense will look like? I'm assuming it'll be uh, very, very much the same um, in, in terms of just just trying to to read and react uh, offense with that um, with the read option. But I'm I'm excited. I think the Badgers though, 21 points is a, is a lot to put out there for in a rivalry game. Uh, you generally will just kind of throw the records out on that. So I would I would guess that it'll be under 21 points. I, I think you know 10, 13. 14 points would make a lot more sense to me. So I'm going to say under, but but it's not because I think that the Badgers are in um, anything less than the Badgers, I should say, uh, in the preseason here. We'll gust under and we'll uh, hope for over. It'd be nice to blow for them sure. out uh, once again with uh, the pieces that they've got back. But uh, right now, I think that's a good way to approach it. All right, the next question from Bazinga22. Do you think we'll get a top 15 or 20 class this re- this recruiting cycle? And that's a great question um, with the guys that they've got already um, and the guys that they're still kind of working on. I know the class has kind of uh, gotten shored up here a little bit, and there's probably not uh, too much more, but there are some big names out there that um, could certainly move the needle up. I do not have it open where they're at right now. I believe it was 26 last I looked. Um, so they're higher than that. Higher than um, that with uh, with Rucci, it would have been closer yeah, to nineteen, they're, right? They're, 
they're at 15 right now. Oh, not 15 so, right now. Yeah, so they're at, well, 16 actually. They're at 16 mm-hmm. as of today, average of four stars. I'm looking at the composite right now for 247. Um, so they're number 16 from there. You look at the um, rivals rankings, and they're at 14. So it's they're right in kind of that that range where they're in striking distance to, to be in a top 15 class. But I think when you when the dust settles, I, hopefully the Badgers are able to secure a couple more commitments. I know the Badgers are really all in on Marcus Allen. They're also really in on uh, Jake Ratzloff, um, who I think would be phenomenal gets. Both guys are, are fringe, you know, four-star guys, um, depending upon how their final rankings go down. There's always the chance for bumps to happen with players, but we also know that sometimes players will bump down as well. So I'm I'm assuming that somewhere um, just inside the top 20 would make a lot of sense to me, or right around 20, um, just based off the fact that other teams are going to fill up. The Badgers are pretty pretty close to full, but if the Badgers could get it up to 21 and bring in those two guys, I think then you are pushing a little closer to that 15 mark. But otherwise, I would say probably in the 18 to 22 range was is probably more likely. Yeah, and I think if you're anywhere in in that range, you're in, incredibly happy. I mean, when you look at the 2020 class ranking 26, um, and, and having a jump up each year, that's that's a significant jump. Um, if you were to get up to 18, you know, if you're sitting at 16 right now, third in the Big Ten, which is uh, remarkable considering uh, you've got Michigan, you've got Ohio State, you've got Penn State, who will almost always by name alone. Uh, be up there in, in the conversation. So to be at that 18, 19, 20 range, you know, 26 to 26 spots up for Wisconsin is uh, is a really nice jump. So I'd be, I think anyone would take that and be very happy with it. Um, you know, when you look at the class right now, of course, they're ranking pretty high because they do have you know 19 commits already, um, you know, wrapped up, and you've got a couple names out there that would certainly move it a little bit. But you've got a lot of uh, these other schools ahead of them. That, that don't quite have uh, as many hard commits as the Badgers. So once everything kind of falls into place uh, on the recruiting board, I'd say that 18 to 20 range would be uh, kind of where they're at. But it, it would be a phenomenal uh, year regardless uh, in anywhere in, there, in that spot. And, and getting better each year is important. I think uh, for right now that's what you need to look at, and, and that's where they're, they're trending in the right direction. Yeah, and I mean, it's not just like incremental improvements each year. Like we're talking in 2018, they were in the 40s, uh, you know, which was which was 46th with 20 kids coming. So it's it's not like they're slowly going up. I mean, to go from the 40s to upper 30s to upper 20s and then possibly ending up in the upper teens, that's significant gains in in uh, the level of recruit that you're bringing in. And, and as much as people will harp on recruiting and saying that, hey, stars don't matter, they do. Um, they, there is so many different strong correlations between having better players and winning championships. Um, now there's other re- pieces of the recipe that need to be, uh, you know, perfected as well. But that doesn't change the fact that the Badgers do a lot with a lot less and have done that for a long time. So I think if they can secure a, a top 20 class, that would be um, you know, very significant for, for the Badgers to, to pop up that many spots. Yeah, it'd be a huge step uh, in the right direction, and they've been trending upward for quite some time. But to get into a top 20 class would be a tremendous accomplishment. 
testament for the staff. I know a lot of the guys uh, on the staff have, have really been getting praises for what they've done, and, and they wholeheartedly deserve it. All right, next question from Navy Badger. He's got uh, a main question and some sub-questions, which we'll hit on here. Uh, and he says, the fan in me says we're going undefeated and winning the national championship. What are your realistic expectations? And uh, I think that's a great question. And for me, I, I think um, where I'm thinking is is kind of the same of what we've seen the last, uh, you know, however many years with Ohio State and Wisconsin. Um, uh, I, I saw a graphic today from Fox College Football that, that said the Big Ten favorites, and uh, it, it took a stat of the last 10 years versus their opponents on the 2020 schedule. Uh, Ohio State is 57 and 7 over the last 10 years and Wisconsin is 55 and 9. So for me looking at how I expect the Big 10 to shake out where I think realistically Wisconsin's going to be, I see Ohio State and Wisconsin meeting in the Big 10 title game and we've seen that movie before. We know how it probably ends, but you never know. Um, so that's that's kind of my realistic expectations. I think this conference is somewhat top-heavy with those two teams. I, I don't think the East is really, quote-unquote, balanced, as some people think it does with Penn State and Michigan. Um, so I, I think until we see otherwise, um, you know, on a consistent basis, it's, it's Ohio State and Wisconsin for me in the Big Ten title game, and uh, hopefully the Badgers can get over that hump. Yeah, I think that's that's the expectation is that you get to the Big Ten Championship, and I still hold the Badgers to that expectation year in and year out because that's the bar is you got to get there in order to get to the next level and to, to really go into the bowl game or the playoff or whatever um, higher level opportunity that you want. And, yes, that does take you to have to play against an Ohio State, a Penn State. Um, but you gotta you got to win it, and it's got to happen here at some point. Um, it's one of those things where this year, I, I don't necessarily think a national championship is, is going to be in the cards. It could be. It, it very well could be. I think it would definitely mean that the Badgers found um, a player or two on offense that really broke out. Like It would mean that a guy like Isaac Rendo, Jalen Berger, was an absolute difference maker at running back, and you had a, a wide receiver just absolutely go off that was at Quintez T-Fest level or better. Um, to to get you there because I think that's what their this team would need to to get to that. Um, I think that's the differentiator right now. I know everybody will point to quarterback play and and you you need a good quarterback to win a national title. That's there's no question about that. But I think in order to get yourself into the picture for a national title to get into that playoff, you need to have multiple dynamic athletes that are going to make plays for you. Batters had some last year, and, and they they had some slip ups that that hurt them. They had opportunity to beat Ohio State last year in that Big Ten championship, but but really, if they need a wide receiver and running back to step up, and those are like even more than outside linebacker, those are the two positions that I'll be looking for because that's what the Wisconsin really needs is is a guy that you a team has to circle. And so expectation wise, I think. Yeah, going to the Big Ten Championships, the expectation. I don't think you can go above that as of right yet. Um, you get there and you hope for the best against a team like Ohio State. If they're playing Penn State, I, I, I like the opportunity there to, to potentially win. Ohio State's going to be um, having national title expectations going into the year, though. So that's going to be a little bit different for me and how I look at it. Yeah, I think those are all great points. All right, the sub first sub question um, from Navy Badger: Could an undefeated Wisconsin really be left out of the playoff in favor of multiple SEC teams 
due to strength of schedule? And I would say short answer is no. I think any undefeated Big Ten team is is getting in there, whether it be Wisconsin or Rutgers. And and my second second reason behind that is right now I I just don't see two SEC teams um, being that strong. I think this year is uh, a conference that, is very, very top-heavy in Alabama. They look to be the, the same Alabama. But after that, I don't know if there's a second team that, that really looks um, that great. You know, I, I don't buy into Georgia the, with the, unless, you know, JT Daniels becomes, you know, becoming eligible and lights the world on fire. Uh, LSU is, is significantly down. And, and after that, yeah, I, I just don't see a lot there. So, and you compound that with the fact that Oklahoma has already lost. Uh, the Pac-12 is is kind of behind the eight ball, you know, more than they already are. So for me, I think any Big Ten team that, that runs the table is, is definitely getting in. Yeah, I don't think a Big 12 team is going to get in the playoff this year. Um, I think it's more likely that two Big Ten or two um, SEC, ACC teams get in there. I think ACC, it would have to be Miami, and I just don't think that they're going to be able to have the firepower to do it. But really, if there's going to be two teams from the SEC get in, I think it would have to come down to what happens. Um, with Florida and Georgia on November 7th. I think that's going to be the big game. I think Florida is the team that could um, make a splash. Just You saw what they did this past weekend. It's obviously one game, but they have the talent uh, around there to, to make make some plays, especially with those freshman running backs to go with some really good wide receivers and a, and a returning quarterback. So, And um, I think that's the team to look for, but I, I still think – if the Badgers or anybody goes undefeated in the Big Ten, they're making the playoff, regardless of if they play five games or they play six games or they play uh, nine games. I think it's going to be hard for them to turn down an undefeated Wisconsin who took down Ohio State or Penn State and also beat Michigan and Iowa and Minnesota. That's There's there's too good of a schedule there for, for you to, uh, to not get in. I definitely agree on that one. All right, next one. Uh, who are the potential oopsie-daisy games? like Illinois last year. We talked about this a little bit when the schedule came out. I think we both agreed that uh, Northwestern, uh, sandwiched between uh, those important games with Michigan and Minnesota, looked like the one that was going to be the one circled in in red highlighter for me. Um, But uh, anything changing on your possible oopsie game, or is that the one you're maybe looking at as well? Uh, Which game did you say? I said Northwestern. That that one just always is going to be the one that makes me nervous uh, no matter what. Yeah, I think I think that's the the like if you're looking at pure like oh crap we we dropped the ball on this one that's it. Um, the other game is just at Iowa that Iowa always plays them tough and, and I think that game could go either way just because it is in Kinnick and I know the Badgers have done really well at Kinnick lately but that doesn't change the fact that it is Iowa and uh, who really knows what that's going to look like um, then. All right, that one uh, wraps up pretty quickly. We'll hit the last sub-question here. Where do you see the Badgers ranked at the end of the season? And going by our previous conversation here a little bit, uh, I think we're both in kind of agreement that we see the Badgers being in that Big Ten title game, uh, maybe with no losses, maybe with one loss. So uh, by that math, you're probably talking a a top 15 team uh, at least, and then it comes down to that Ohio State uh, or possibly Penn State uh, matchup in the Big Ten, which has not treated the Badgers too kindly uh, over the last few seasons. So uh, if you're going by that and then you hopefully show up for a bowl game, I would say for me right now I, I'd look at a, a top 
at least 15. Uh, I would hope to be a team that could crack into the top 10 based on the, the schedule and where I think this team can get to. Um, so, so I think on the high end, I'd be in the 10, uh, you know, top 10 range and low end, a, a top 15. Anyone in there, I think would be where this Badgers team ends up. I'll take a, just an arrow dart and just say nine. No, this be real. like nine. Like it'll be something like that where it, they're just outside of the playoff due to, um, a loss in Big Ten championship or just missing out on the Big Ten championship type thing. Um, but I, I would guess nine. I could see, Higher, I could see a smidge lower, but yeah, that seems about right. Is is right around that, you know, six to twelve range. All right, that answers all of Navy Badger's questions. We'll move on to Antoine Badger. He asked, "Is the NFL moving towards the old, boring Wisconsin style of offense?" And uh, I would say, define your uh, your definition of boring um, is is probably uh, up to the eyes of the beholder because I I personally kind of I, I think Wisconsin sometimes can get a little uh, stale with their offense, but over the last few seasons, I think they've been a little bit better. You know, it's always going to be that pro style, and, and some teams are are, are going to stick with that, that run-heavy pro style offense, and, and some teams kind of do the same thing just in a spread look. Uh, so I don't know if the NFL is necessarily moving towards anything old. I think they're definitely just kind of sprucing up and modernizing um, what works well uh, at that level. But what do you think uh, about the boring Wisconsin offense taking over the NFL? Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, I'm, I'm guessing that we're going to see that um, it's, it's not necessarily that teams are going towards that. There are there are teams that are that are starting to go to that because of you know the McVay tree that are that are wanting to run the ball over fifty percent. We saw that with the Titans. We see that now with the Packers. The Rams try to do that. The Patriots have been doing it more this year as well. Um, and, and the Ravens run the ball a lot. And you know half of those runs are just straight up their originally passes that Jackson tucks it and, and runs. But the Colts also want to run the ball. So you're seeing a lot of teams trying to establish the run more, um, trying to play more West Coast, trying to, to you know, move the ball methodically up the field, control the clock, um, utilize a really good quarterback to, to through play action. But but I, I still think because you have so many um, really good quarterbacks at the NFL level, because there's only 30, 30 of them that are that are the that are playing at your at their um, that you're going to still have that quarterback is the most important position and so they're still going to be throwing the ball at a higher clip than what you see not quite Texas Tech level or you know what we're seeing out of Mike Leach this past weekend uh, down there with Costello throwing the ball 60 plus times but but it's still going to be something to where most NFL teams are pretty. Try to shoot 50-50 as close as possible, and that's kind of what the Badgers have always done. So I I, I kind of agree that there's kind of a uh, you know a, a return to the the mean in some way, but at the same time I still think in the end it's a quarterback league, so so people are going to rely on the quarterback when it comes to the crunch plays. Just when it comes down to two point conversions, for example, you normally see passes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think you, you hit some good points there uh, with the the NFL. Of course, they're two different games, and, and sometimes the styles uh, tend to start to blend together, but that's just because you know certain things are, are working at, at the college level, and uh, sometimes you can adapt that to the NFL level, and, and certain times it goes both ways. So uh, 
is it starting to look more familiar uh, to to some teams? Yes, to some teams, no. But it kind of depends on, like you said, the personnel that you've got. The strength of your quarterback definitely uh, helps it. Where if you've got Patrick Mahomes, uh, you can sling it a little bit more than if you've got, say, uh, Ryan Tannehill or someone like that. So it all depends on that uh, personnel you've got, uh, you know, in in your office and, and things like that. All right. From Tampa Badger fan, does Wisconsin know what they are going to do with the extra year of eligibility, or, or are they going to sort that out after the season? What seniors, if any, would you want to come back? And I've taken the last few questions first, so I'll, I'll let you have uh, the, the floor on this one. I, I don't think they have in terms of a plan, any anything set in place. I know for recruiting, that's probably something they're going to want to get figured out, and maybe behind the scenes they've talked about it a little bit more. Uh, because it does make it a little bit difficult um, to try and keep the numbers there. Um, but I'll let you handle that one if, if there's any seniors that uh, you might want to see come back and, and play next year. Oh, there's definitely seniors I'd love to have come back. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, anybody on that defensive line, if you could return them, that would be great. But those guys are going to be NFL ready um, and guys that are probably going to want to stay there. Um, the one guy I would say would be a guy like Danny Davis, where he hasn't redshirted. I know I kind of talked about that earlier, but I, I think he's a guy who didn't get that fifth year. He he was kind of off uh, after that suspension two years ago, um, and, and I think just – if he has a good year this year, obviously he'll have an opportunity potentially to try and, and get on a, a roster, but he's the type of guy that could really benefit from sticking around Madison another year and, and playing again. Um, but really, I, Paul Christ has kind of talked about it a little bit, that it doesn't change a lot what they're going to do with freshmen, that they're not going to put kids on the field if they're not ready to play. Um, and the way in which Barry uh, handled last spring – with when COVID hit and kind of everything leads me to believe that most seniors are probably, this is going to be their last hurrah. Um, and I think most seniors are probably going to want it to be their last hurrah because they're going to want to get on with their life, whether that be, you know, the league or whether they want to become an investment banker or pursue whatever their dreams are as a coach or what other career they're going into. So I would assume that it won't change too much. I think the, the fascinating thing is going to be um, the guys in the middle. Your 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 redshirt freshmen, your sophomores, your redshirt soft, those guys in the middle there, um, getting that extra year and kind of how the Badgers and how really every team and the NCAA try to navigate this 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 glut of scholarships that are going to be in the middle because I don't think it's going to affect too much at freshman level. I don't I don't think it's going to affect too much at the senior level. I think it's going to affect the future years beyond that. So I think. This year, they're just going to sort it out, kind of like you said, like uh, you said, Tampa Badger. But, but I do think that down the line, there will be consequences and things that needed to be fleshed out. Um, but that's going to be from the top down through the NCAA. One would assume that they're going to be like, well, you're going to get an extra scholarships, uh, and it's going to phase out over time. Yeah, I, I think that's a reasonable way to look at it. Uh, you know, everyone's going to kind of be in the same boat, so it's easier. Um, for the NCAA to hopefully step in and, and help make some sense of it and, and help coaching staffs try to figure out how they want to to handle this. Uh, I know I'm, I'm sure there's been internal conversations, but uh, it's gonna it's gonna take some time to to kind of flush through what they think is the best plan and and hopefully they can get some guidance from the NCAA on, on how to go about it. Um, as, as far as like you said, seniors coming back, there there's a lot of talent on this team where. You'd love to have a whole host of guys, you know, the guys on the defensive line, Eric Burrell, uh, you know, he's already talked about 
he he's couldn't imagine coming back for a sixth year, and, I, and I'd have to think most of them were just hoping to get some sort of football season this year. Now it looks like they're going to with the eight-game schedule, so uh, hopefully you can send them off in, in proper fashion, and, and some guys can, can certainly take it if, if it's there and they, they want to do it, um, but I would have to guess a, a large chunk of them are, are going to hop to the next level or, or get on with their lives because it, it's a long, you know, some most of these guys are, are five-year guys uh, that came in and redshirted, so that's a long time to, to be at a place and to add a sixth year onto that for for another season of football might be uh, difficult to ask for uh, some of them, but it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, of course, we've talked about the, the buzzword of COVID has kind of been unprecedented. You're going to have the same thing uh, with that scholarship number, so it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. All right, our last question here, um, we're, we're talking some basketball, and I think this is a good question. Uh, very, um, I'm interested to see where you think um, or where you're going to go with this one. And Wisconsin basketball, uh, if you're, you're coming down uh, the last shot, who do you want taking the last shot and, and say, a game winner? Because um, I think there's, you know, with this team especially coming up this year and, and most of the guys back, there's a lot of arguments you could make for, for a lot of different guys. But if you had the last shot on the clock, uh, let's say a, a tie game, who do you want the ball going to to, to take that final shot? Well, usually I'll run with the hot hand. Like I would think it, it depends because the Badgers have so many different players that could handle that. They don't have a guy who it's, it's you know, the all-around like guy that you turn to in, in every situation. They don't have a Kobe type guy that's, that's going to take the ball and will score at that time. Um, but I, you also look back at history of who has taken the last shot and kind of how that's gone. We've seen Trice do it at times. Um, that has been kind of a mixed bag, but we've seen Brad Davison do it as well, and, and Brad's hit some big shots. So I would probably lean toward Brad Davison. Um, I, you could go with a guy like Micah Potter even, though, or Aleem Ford. Aleem Ford's been doing a lot better with getting to the rim, and he could still you know, hit the, hit the outside shot. But I think if you're going to have to set up a play, I think you want to set the play up for Brad Davidson with a pop-out of either Micah Powder or um, Nate Reavers as, a, as an outlet to, to hit a three. So that's, that's what I would do because Brad can get to the rim or shoot, shoot the jump shot and then have the option to pass to one of the bigs. Yeah, I, I I was wondering if you were going to go that way because that's kind of what I was thinking as well. I, I think based on last year, the end of the year, um, I think you know if it, it's more probably a by committee approach, uh, like you kind of mentioned. I think the Badgers have guys that can can get hot, and whoever um, is is hot that night is who you want to go with. So that's probably the the route I would say if you um, if, if you're going to do it that way. But if you had to pick just one, you know, I think based on the end of the year last year, I would probably be going through Micah Potter, but you also have to look at the careers of some of these guys, and, and Brad Davison, uh, you know, he hasn't always played his best. There's been games where he doesn't score and, and he struggles, or he gets into um, some antics on the court. But at the end of the day, he's he's hit a lot of big shots for this team and this program. And if there was one guy that that I was going to 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 knock down a shot and win a game based on track record, it, it's got to be Brad Davison for me. So it uh, it'd be interesting to see, you know, as it. Uh, uh, works its way as we work into basketball season. Who is the go-to guy? Um, because last year at the end it was Micah Potter, but uh, you know Brad Davison has that strong track record of, of winning those games for the Badgers. For sure. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up our uh, mailbag questions. We did have one other post, uh, Antoine Badger. I know you asked a little bit about some film breakdown questions. 
Um, we, we, we didn't know if it would be a great way to answer it on the podcast ourselves. Um, we do have some stuff in the works about talking about some film breakdown, and um, we, we've got a couple, we'll say, uh, sticks in the fire trying to uh, find a way to do that, and if not, it'll maybe be a post. But uh, I think that's something that, that Matt has been talking to uh, some outlets about that maybe we could uh, work on, and we're just kind of waiting back on some answers. But it's definitely an episode that we both have been interested to try and get a, a breakdown as to what the Badgers might be looking for on, on the offense and defense and why they do certain things. Uh, in terms of the scheme, so we'll uh, we'll we'll keep working on that, and then hopefully get you um, some film breakdown on that. But uh, I think that pretty much wraps up our episode. I hope everyone enjoyed uh, the mailbag. We always love doing that. If you guys have any other questions, feel free to uh, reach out to us, and we'll uh, we'll we'll post them. We'll be back with you guys next week, talking some depth chart after Joe Rudolph and uh, Jim Leonard answer some questions. Uh, as always, on Wisconsin. Thank you.